This episode of Untold Stories is sponsored by Paraswap. You'll hear more about them later on in this episode. We have an amazing episode for you guys today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. What is up, my friends, my best friends, my family? Thank you guys for listening. This is Untold Stories, where twice a week together, we get to dive deep with some of crypto's most influential leaders, brilliant people, to really understand how this movement came to be, where we are right now, and hey, where the hell we're going? Where the hell we are going? Because a lot of people have foresight, or they do things, but not really understanding how that's going to integrate in our whole crypto space in the future. And one of those people is my guest today, Brandon Millman. Brandon, thank you so much for coming on Untold Stories today. Yeah, no problem. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Brandon, you uh, you started your career at Twitter as an engineer working on some really cool things. And just like a lot of people, you jumped down the crypto rabbit hole into 0x where you were the lead engineer involved in building out the whole technical team, building out the team that was that was building out the API for 0x. And um, what you were building back then were things like liquidity pools and a lot of these DeFi-related features that really no one was using up until two years ago. And you were there from early 2017 all the way through 2021. You experienced the highs of the 2017 bull run, the lows of the bear market, the vindication that we're all getting right now from our friends and family that we're not stupid, what we're doing here. And then you started uh, the Phantom Wallet, which I'm excited to talk to you about today. And the Phantom Wallet uh, very, very quickly grew to over 40,000 users. You guys just closed a, a big Series A, so congratulations with a lot of great um, investors. And you're most well-known in the Solana community and larger decentralized uh, uh, infrastructure communities because what, and you had posted a screenshot one day, it's like, wouldn't, wouldn't it be great if all of our wallets look like this? But you're building out the decentralized infrastructure for the next web 3.0, the decentralized internet. But you started years ago. So my first question to you is why? First of all, thanks for having me again. Um, I will make one minor correction about uh, your intro and in, in that actually nowadays we actually have 600,000 users. Oh, shit. Um, Congratulations. Yeah, for the wallet. So I think uh, when we originally got in touch for the show or whatever, it was a, you know, a month ago or two months ago. Um, but it actually kind of, uh, yeah, we're kind of so in a wait, ball game nowadays. We need to, we need to, to, to hit that nail for a second. So when we first were talking about getting you on the show maybe a month or two ago, and we were doing the mm -hmm. research at 40,000 users, and now you're at 600,000. That is just insane growth in the past few months. Yeah, it's been it's been really crazy um, and very a very challenging experience. Uh, but yeah, we we've been yeah rough, adding roughly hundred thousand installs a week or so uh, for the past two months, basically month and a half. Um, so yeah, it's about at about six hundred thousand, a little bit more nowadays. That's beautiful. Who who's interfacing with with Phantom? You know, in in its current iteration. Uh, Phantom is essentially the MetaMask for the Solana ecosystem. Um, and so basically, if you want to use any kind of DAP or Web 3.0 application, blockchain application, whatever you want to call it, if you, whenever you want to use one of those that's built on Solana, you download Phantom first to use it. Um, and so, and those things include, you know, DeFi applications, um, like AMMs, liquidity pools, et cetera, but also, uh, 
NFT-based uh, applications as well, like marketplaces, uh, various drops and stuff like that. So I'd like for you to help me and, and help the listeners kind of map out where we are now as it relates to like a, a decentralized infrastructure. So if you go if you go back to you have just Bitcoin and then Ethereum, well, in between Bitcoin and Ethereum, we had the name coins and the other forks. But for the sake of smart contract based based systems here and new blockchains and protocols, and then we very quickly went from Ethereum to tons of different layer ones. And you worked you worked at one uh, a senior engineer at, at ZRX, and then and then now you're working Phantom, which is uh, uh, looking like it's it's more towards an interoperability across multiple layer ones, multiple blockchains, multiple uh, platforms. What is that kind of, I feel like even myself, I've been around the space for 10 years. It's confusing. What does that space look like right now? Where are the users and the developers and the engineers mostly? Is it still like 80% Ethereum and then the rest get the rest of the market share kind of fighting over a little bit or have these like Solanas and other ones really grown to be that size? Here's 2021. Where are we right now? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, I guess a lot of sort of the congestion and high fees that you see on Ethereum, those uh, things are uh, indicators that, that there is more demand for blockchain applications than the current supply can handle. Yeah, so there's, you know, there's all these users coming in, they want, they're fighting for, you know, space on the blockchain, essentially. And because there's so many, they have to start paying, bidding each other up to, to get space. And so what we're seeing in response to that, naturally, is an increase in the supply to meet that demand. And so um, what does that mean exactly concretely? Well, that means like other layer ones, other types of L2 solutions trying to, to trying to spin up to, to meet the demand. And so, yeah, nowadays you, we are seeing a bit more of a, you know, a diversity of different types of blockchains that are, that are, that are spinning up their own ecosystems and, and, and all of that. Um, you know, I, you know, I can't speak you know about exactly the developer numbers and 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 user numbers um i do believe that the ethereum ecosystem and and sort of like evm ecosystem has the most developer mindshare and uh, momentum just by virtue of being around for so long since 2017 a lot of people like xerox included have been working on infrastructure for a, a long time and a, a lot of stuff that kind of goes behind the scenes to build those types of ecosystems. Uh, but that being said, there's a lot of new people coming into the space. Uh, there, there are groups of people around the world that are fundamentally um, you know, outpriced by the current gas situation on Ethereum. And so I think we are seeing a large influx of new users into cheaper alternatives, whether that's Solana or things like Avalanche, Polygon, et cetera. Uh, I, I do believe that there is some empirical evidence to say that there is like a whole new wave of users who are, you know, more price sensitive in terms of fees, who cannot afford to pay, you know, 70 to sometimes up to a thousand dollars or whatever per transaction. Uh, you know, I, I myself also find myself using Ethereum less nowadays, um, or whenever I do need to use it, basically needing to 
plan everything out in a spreadsheet before like executing something. Um, I use Paraswap. And so, yeah. Pa- Paraswap. Oh, right. Yeah, because yeah, you can predefine all of the, and they're one of our sponsors, but you can predefine, it's a smart contract where you can predefine everything. So you can, instead mm-hmm. of having to do approval, transaction, 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 I want to go from one token that only trades against some other obscure token, then that obscure token trades against another obscure token that trades with USDC. I can then do it all in one thing. Yeah, yeah, totally. But still, like the fact that you need those type of services and companies is telling us that you're right. The demand is far outweighing the supply. And you know what's so funny? During the Bitcoin block size war, no one ever said that. It was never like, oh my God, there's so much demand. We need to figure this out. It was always like the demand will work itself out. It was it was different. We I guess up until 2020, our whole industry had a huge bout of imposter syndrome. Maybe we still do. We don't think that we exist or we should exist or understand why we exist. But please continue the thought. Yeah, you know, that's pretty much it. I I mean, I think, um, yeah, my general stance is like, um, you know, this there's no real sign that this demand side is slowing down. Um, And so that just means that the supply side, which means like the different types of blockchains or scaling solutions, this is going to continue to spin up. My, so my, my personal view is that in the, the future slash the world that we're living in right now will be some sort of multi-chain, multi-network world, um, you know, where users will need to uh, effectively navigate in order to use the applications that they want. You're going to you're definitely going to see that. And um, I was kind of thinking about this a lot in this whole multi-chain world. You know, for for the and I'm guilty of this in the past 10 years, I've always said we need to stop fighting internally with each other. And remember that our real enemy is the traditional financial system on the outside, the unfair, unequal. And therefore, we should focus our competition not on each other, but rather on that. But I think now the year is 2021 is almost 2022. I think I'm I think I'm starting to change and be a little bit wrong on that because we're big enough now. That if you and all of your other competitors just are trying to compete with the outside world, we're never going to get anywhere because we've already beaten them. So now we got to compete with each other continuously growing up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, landscape's definitely definitely changing and 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 shifting over time. And um, yeah, I guess we, like we alluded to earlier, like there's definitely um, a lot more popularity and knowledge of of crypto, and so um, yeah, it's. Stakes are definitely higher nowadays. So what's it like working at a at a startup now during a bull market when you had first started, it, it, we went into like a deep bear market for a year and a half? What's the differences every day? Um, that's a good question. Um, I'd say, yeah, there's, there's a lot more noise going on, um, a lot more chatter, both, you know, both on crypto Twitter and also sort of mainstream media as well. So that's, that's a big differentiator and, um, you know, is a, is a blessing and a curse. Um, you know, you get more exposure during these moments, but, um, there's also, you know, more distractions. So, you know, the bear market was good for that in the sense that it was sort of like, uh, some room to breathe, (laughs) but nowadays there's, there's, there's a lot of interest, a lot of, a lot of, um, you know, users sort of bleeding over from like the more traditional world. Uh, like you mentioned, we're sort of like 
my, I myself sort of product of this uh, most recent sort of bear market. Um, and so definitely still remember that and definitely still, you know, planning for another one, I guess. I was always saying the same thing year over year, always planning for the next one, always planning. And then every time you get stronger during like the, uh, the bull markets, putting things away to the side for the bear markets and changing how you do business. A lot of the, a lot of the companies, you know, I see articles all the time where it says, uh, this company, this, you know, this would be a publicly traded company and they would write a whole report about how they're poised to, uh, deal with the next impending bear market. Businesses are already planning for it, but I guess there are a lot of folks on crypto Twitter and 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 charting and things like that who believe that that these bull and bear markets are just going to get continuously smaller and smaller because we're already in this cycle now of mass adoption, where it's a lot harder for kind of bear whales to come in and dump thirty thousand Bitcoin, and you know over a consistent three hours to to try to uh, change the whole market. And now the market is has changed completely. The whole industry has changed completely. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, it's, you know, it's definitely, it's definitely changed completely. Um, it's very, it's very difficult to predict what's going to happen. Um, but there's also different types of players involved as well, you know, corporations, yeah. nation states, et cetera. So I, I think there's still, there's still room for, I guess the example that you gave was, uh, bear whale coming in i think that there's still room for that happening in the form of bear countries or or what have you uh which could you know change things on a it's just a different kind of scale um that being said though i you know i agree though it's kind of fundamentally different nowadays um there's a lot more like institutional interest and just more widespread knowledge yeah of, of what cryptos are and and all that so um no, each one's different for sure. Sorry to interrupt your regular scheduled programming, but I wanted to tell you guys that if you're using PancakeSwap, Uniswap, DYDX, SushiSwap, you're doing it wrong. You need to be using PowerSwap because PowerSwap is a user interface, a decentralized smart contract platform that sits on top of all of these. And when you go to PowerSwap or untoldstories.link forward slash PowerSwap because they're refunding your gas, if you go there, then you'll be able to, on top of Ethereum, Binance Smart Chain, and Polygon, look for the best prices for your tokens and swap and do everything in one predefined transaction on-chain. Instead of having to do the approval to this token, to that token, to do all these different things, Paraswap does it all for you. It's decentralized. They just released their API version 5 that you can see everything. It's all open source. Very cool stuff. Untoldstories.link forward slash Paraswap. If you're using any of the other decentralized protocols, you're doing it wrong because you need to be using the routing, beautiful Paraswap routing system, and it's fully decentralized too. It's gorgeous. I'll talk to you guys soon. This morning, I was, um, right before the show, I was uh, talking to a friend of mine who is investing in a new company and they were pitching the company to me. And I listened to everything and everything sounds great. But I, I, I asked the CEO, I said to her, I said, are you hungry? And she was like, what does that mean? And I said, why are you starting this? When you start a company, especially in crypto, this is probably the hardest thing currently in the world that we live in to do. It's probably the hardest thing to do, start a successful crypto business. I'm going to ask you the same question. What the hell? What led you to start up a whole new you know, crypto wallet, 600,000, over half a million users now? 
Why? Why put yourself through that? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, one that I should ponder more nowadays. But yeah, the um, what is it I, about you? Know, you? Say, Who are you? Well, you know, um, yeah, it's the question really, really have me thinking here. So, I mean, you know, you know, like you mentioned, we, um, you know, I, I had been working at Xerox since since 2017. And my two other co-founders as well, uh, also, I met and worked with at, at Xerox. And, you know, basically, while we're there, 2017 is a much different time. Um, there was a lot more about infrastructure building. There's not really, that demand side wasn't really there yet. But you saw little little signals of it, like ICOs, CryptoKitties, et cetera. Um, but that, you know, that time was a lot more about building everyone sort of together, building out this like new infrastructure for web 3.0. And so uh, we were sort of in this, in this lane where we were like working on the decentralized exchange part of that. Like how do, how does liquidity get to all these different, um, all these different uh, applications. And so we were happily working on that for, for a while. And while we we're there, uh, we launched uh, like a number of like pretty widely used uh, DApps. Um, so um, one of which is is this application called Matcha, which is actually a competitor to this uh, to Paraswap, which uh, sponsors this podcast. Um, so very familiar with them, and and that's um, yeah, Matcha XYZ is uh, you know a product that we worked on. Um, my co-founder Chris is sort of the general manager of that project. Oh, so nice. Sort of, sort of um, and then, yeah, while I was there, I worked on this product called Xerox API, which is basically the, the backend portion of, um, of Matcha, as well as other sort of like swap features on or swap products on Ethereum. Anyway, so we, you know, we, we were working on that for a while. Um, and yeah, basically, you know, we were just sort of quote unquote, staying in our lane, um, on the decentralized exchange side of things. Uh, but while while we were doing that, we basically became power users of uh, wallets, uh, you know, namely MetaMask. And so, uh, you know, power users meaning actually both both from the consumer side and the developer side. And so, you know, throughout that process, uh, we basically I think accumulated a, a, a list of items that we we thought that wallets could be doing a bit better. We understood the power that wallets had to really help 10x the entire ecosystem. And we decided, hey, why don't we basically, we, we, we know that we can execute really well on products in, in this new Web 3.0 space. Uh, why don't we you know, take the expertise that we have and try to build a really awesome wallet? Um, and so that's why we got started. You're, you're, are you looking to become more uh, of an agnostic wallet or are you staking your future on Solana? Yeah, that's a good question. So um, I'll say, so the other piece of insight that we uh, gathered during our time at Xerox was uh, you know, a window into this impending multi-chain world. Uh, we, knew that, uh, we knew that Xerox was doing you know, their own internal uh, calculus about how to maneuver uh, in this new multi-chain world, which is which is you know recently manifested into them uh, deploying on Polygon, Avalanche, Finance Smart Chain, etc. 
And we knew that a lot of other companies were doing that as well. And so, yeah, the, originally the, the wallet was conceived as uh, this wallet that would be multi-chain wallet. You just download one wallet. You can use an applica- blockchain application no matter where it's um, where it lives and how it's implemented. And that's still very much sort of like the medium to long-term goal. Um, and, you know, we, we ended up starting on Solana uh, sort of um, basically because we wanted to make a, a bet on a nascent. We knew we wanted, we wanted to go in this yeah. multi-chain direction. We knew that it would take basically a lot, not only, not only raw execution uh, to compete with MetaMask and the Ethereum realm, uh, but it also take a lot of luck, timing, et cetera. And so we want to sort of shift our goalposts, so to speak, and um, create a situation for ourselves where our outcome was most aligned with just raw execution. And so we we that ended up uh, in us trying to basically pl- place a bet on a more nascent ecosystem and sort of own that ecosystem before starting our more broader journey. Um, but that being said, fast forward to today, and we've actually stumbled on. Um, you know this. You know this insane situation where, uh, you know, we're getting hundreds of thousands of new users, um, and you know we're we're sort of trying to to uh, to stabilize the ship, so to speak. And so right now our focus is is primarily on Solana, and basically making sure we're building the the best experience there, um, and really you know solidifying that whole situation before we decide to split our focus um so yeah a bit of rambled a bit for there uh no, a bit there but uh yeah when you look um, at when you look at like a multi-chain or, or agnostic layer one world and we're talking about ethereum binance smart chain uh uh we're talking about cardano solana cosmos um under all of them are their own avalanche like you said they have all of their own uh, ecosystems underneath themselves, Matic. Um, and so do you find them that they're being built with the intention of connecting with other ones in mind? Or are they kind of building themselves to be like their own ecosystems that make it difficult to have relationships with other ones? Um, I'd say most are trying to take a very open approach. I, I mean, because, you know, if if you're not a... Ethereum, then um, what one of your primary, I think, user bases that you are trying to capture is like the existing Ethereum um, ecosystem. And so, um, you know, a lot of a lot of these alternative L1s, they build sort of these bridging systems to help people bridge from Ethereum or or others uh, over to their systems. And so, um, yeah, I'd say usually they are trying to build like this sort of interconnected world. Bitcoin Bitcoin, and, and Bitcoin maximalism came out of like when Bitcoiners kind of felt pushed into a corner. And over the past two years, we've been saying the same thing about Ethereum. You know, everyone's building, like you just said, bridges away from Ethereum and we're building multi-coin, multi-chain worlds. And Ethereum, and, and some of my friends who have been some of the earliest Ethereum investors and some of them Ethereum founders, they who used to make fun of me for like my personal views where I separate Bitcoin from the rest of the crypto world. So I'm not a maximalist, but I separate the two uh, to explain the differences. What I've noticed is Ethereumites or Ethereans, Ethereans, 
are doing starting to do the same thing and where it's moving in that direction where Ethereum and the maximalists behind it, and not in a negative way, are carving a Ethereum to be this like it's it's other thing. This is not crypto. You have you have Bitcoin, Ethereum, and then crypto. Do you kind of see that as well, or is Ethereum still in that same bunch? If not, then like what's the future of Ethereum? Yeah, I'd say you know, crypto tribalism is uh, it's an interesting topic. I, I yeah. think. Oh my god. Yeah, you know, after hard. a certain certain point. I mean, there's, okay, there's a lot of different factors involved. Obviously, there's this aspect of, quote unquote, protecting your bag. And uh, when so much of your net worth or whatever, um, or sense of self-worth is assigned to a certain coin. Oh, self-worth um, too, you're right. Yeah. Then then when, when you know, you feel at risk from something else, then it can be a very natural, like, fight. That's a dangerous instinct. road. You'd die for that coin. Like you'd martyr yourself. It's scary. People will do it. Yeah. And people, you know, people do effectively do that, at least. On um, crypto Twitter. To, yeah. Know, <laughs> yeah. You know, their, their um, reputations, et cetera, are, you know, uh, in, a, in a way. And so, you know, I, I think it's, so I think it's natural. It makes sense that, that people, that hap- that, that happens. Um, but yeah, like I said, you know, my my view is that, you know, I think I, you know, maybe it's a cliche to say I, I'm I'm sort of a blockchain maximalist. Like I you we want like these new technologies to be explored. We want all these experiments to happen. And ultimately we we want to celebrate celebrate that there's like this huge demand side coming through and that we have to like work together to create to like up the supply side. So um you know, I, I welcome it. Um, but yeah, I know. I mean, there's there's a lot of people out there and um, everyone feels differently. So um, so you think yeah. that what's holding us back? So we have this immense demand side coming in. Uh, you think that what's holding us back is that supply side is just we're not it's not fully built out. It's not fully fleshed out yet. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's why it's not. Yeah, it's not fully fleshed. I think we're I think we're nowhere near um sort of understanding what the, the end state of all this stuff looks like um yeah. you know all these other alternative l1s they they literally just just came out whatever or like a year or less old and so yeah uh, I, I think we're still very it's still very much early innings um and uh, yeah eth 2.0 is going to come out and all that that's going to be awesome um so and it's definitely going to change the landscape so um yeah, you know, just excited to see all that stuff roll out. Right now, um, stable coins have been the centralized stable coins have been the ire uh, of I don't know if ire is, a, is the right term of of the regulators that be all over the world and especially here in the U.S. But you know, and you probably worked on one that from the early days of you know digital assets, we wanted to do a decentralized stable coin, but they failed. There are a bunch of them out there. They're still there, but you know they need to be tested. They need to, we need uh, they need to be tested during bull and bear markets. They need to be tested if someone tries to dump, you know, like crazy amount of the whole supply at once. What happens to the to the algorithm? Um, do you think we're going towards a future? Because you pointed something. Out. The reason I'm asking this question is you pointed something out to me before. There was something that I used to do manually that now is so automated 
in our space. I forgot what it was. So I'm looking at what else is still, oh, liquidity pools. Like I remember in the old token days, you would have to go to market makers and beg them to add liquidity. Like, duh, why didn't you think to do a liquidity mine, liquidity pool, incentivize liquidity for all tokens with other, like, why did we never think about this? So here we are, let's think about this. How do we do a decentralized stable coin? <laughs> I know, I want uh... it. Because I feel like that has to be part of the future that's going to be connecting. Uh, stable coins will be what connects all blockchains together. When someone wants to move value from one chain to the other, they pack it all up maybe in a stable coin and they move it over. <laughs> Potentially, I don't know if that's the answer, but that's one of the answers. So money becomes this thing that is value moving from one chain to another. Well, yeah, I do. I do agree that stable coins are very important to the adoption of these blockchains. And uh, earlier on, when we were basically deciding how to, as Phantom, how do we maneuver multi-chain? Where do we start off? Um, one thing we did look at was, hey, USDC, although not decentralized, has yeah. huge deployment on Solana specifically, second largest compared to its deployment on, on um, Ethereum. And one thing that we understood very well from Xerox is that basically the stable coins is sort of the lifeblood of liquidity. And liquidity is sort of the lifeblood of DeFi activity uh, as a whole. And so, yeah, basically people want, people want slash need to be able to retreat to these stable, you know, um, currencies uh, in order to effectively perform uh, financial transactions or trades, et cetera. So, um, so yeah, I'll say just generally stable coins are definitely very, extremely important uh, to the health of the ecosystem. Um, how do we build a centralized one? I'm it's definitely hard. not an expert there. Um, I think it's cool that um, these new decentralized systems gives up give us sort of a the tools to be able to experiment with these things on on a spectrum. So you have like the totally quote unquote centralized versions like USDC, uh, USDT, et cetera, all the way to something that's completely permissionless, like the Dai uh, slash Maker system on Ethereum. Um, which in my mind, I mean, you know, I haven't really been. It's been around a long time. Closely. Yeah, but, you know, if, in my mind, they are, they have been quite successful in, in the sense that they've if you, know, you maintained look at, a peg. If yeah. you look at the make or die chart, it actually looks like a heartbeat chart because it's stable, which is but it's the opposite of a heartbeat chart. You want flatline stability in the chart of its existence because it's always pegged to like a dollar or whatever. Um, but there were times where it was battle tested and mm -hmm. you can see those like blips. And you can see how the algorithm like brought it back. And it's actually very cool. If someone check out CoinMarketCap, check it out. It's a, it's a um, uh, DAI. It's a very cool chart to look at to understand what we're talking about here, to how decentralized stable coins need to work because it needs to be flatline all the time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, DAI, definitely, definitely awesome one. You know, um, I know there's another one called FEI. Uh, which has, uh, they re recently released their V2. And so, yeah, I know there's a lot of people working on that uh, problem. I myself, not, not an expert, uh, but definitely a user and definitely a believer under yeah. someone who understands how important, you know, having this 
stablecoin as the cornerstone or part of the infrastructure as well. I have a lot, at, almost at the end of every show, I have uh, folks who email me uh, in university who want to leave their careers wherever they're working in systems management and things like that. I have people from business development to marketing to engineering development, things like that. They want to jump into our space. And this, this show has become kind of like their way to keep one foot in until they make that full jump. Are you hiring? And if not, where, where do you recommend they go? Where do they seek out? Yeah, well, you know, yeah, we're def definitely hiring. Um, so if anyone out there interested in working on Phantom or Solana stuff, definitely, you know, hit me up and let us know. Um, but yeah, I'd say in general, um, yeah, I would just encourage people to not think about it too much and just, just dive in completely, kind of just completely immerse yourself in it. Um, I think there's, there's no shortage of things to do at the moment. And I'd say just like keep a very open mind going into these things. Cause well, you know, one mistake that I've made in the past is being a bit too close minded with some of these very out outlandish or out there ideas that people propose. Um, and sometimes, sometimes they don't work. And then sometimes, sometimes it was just not the right timing. And nowadays, like we alluded to earlier, it's a very different situation. There's a lot, the types of users who are using these things are, is a lot different than in 2017, 2018. There's a lot more traditional consumers in the mix. And so I think things that, um, things that did not necessarily work in the past, uh, may, may work now, or there may be an appetite for those things. So overall, I just say like, keep a very open mind and, um, yeah, just dive in. Brandon Millman, uh, everyone, if they want to, if you want to play around with Solana and, um, check it out and download the fan, it's phantom.app, phantom.app. Um, I really appreciate you, you, you coming on the show this morning. I know it was early and everything, uh, but we had such a phenomenal show. And I, and I really think that 40 minutes later, our listeners have a very much, much deeper understanding of what this like, uh, this map of decentralized internet kind of looks like. So I really appreciate you helping us get there. Yeah, no problem. No, it's fun. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. Have a great weekend. And I'll hope to see you soon in California. Yeah, take it easy. Stay in touch.